Happy Monday, my podcast family, and welcome back to Caregiving is a Ministry, where we look at the Word of God through the lens of caregiving. I hope you're doing well today and that the first day of the week has started you off on the right foot. So let's get started. So we've looked at God is our shepherd, right, over the past, what was it, six or seven days, but now we're going to look at how Jesus validates that he is our shepherd. We've studied, you know, uh, how how God demonstrated himself as being our shepherd in Psalms 23. But remember, Jesus is a personification of God. And so even though he was very much God, he was also very much human. Throughout his ministry here on earth, he professed that when we saw him, we had seen the Father. So therefore, We're going to look at these scriptures now and how Jesus reiterates that God is our shepherd, that he takes on that personification, Jesus himself. But also, we're going to discover that while we are sheep, that that comes with some responsibilities. You ready? Let's get started. We're going to be in John, the book of John, the 10th chapter, verses 1 through 5. Of course, reading from the New American Standard Bible, it reads, Truly, truly, I say to you, the one who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. But the one who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep listen to his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he puts all his own sheep outside, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. However, a stranger they will they simply will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. We have several things going on in um, these scriptures. Jesus is giving a story about himself. Or about us, but he likens it to being a shepherd, right? Something the people understood and could grasp. If Jesus were to come during our time right now, he would have to use a different analogy, um, something that would be relatable to us. But because, you know, the Israelite community was an agrarian society, shepherding and farming, that was their lifestyle. So this analogy that he used very much worked for them right and so that's why we see this theme of shepherding throughout the bible because they understand that and they could grapple i mean they could grasp it now before they were conquered right they farmed the land and they had other um vocations so to speak but their primary um culture so to speak was agrarian they were farmers they were shepherds and before you know god granted them the promised land they were nomadic so they would go different places and set up in different camps and so this shepherd theme is very much understandable to that community right then which is who jesus was speaking to but this passage conveys two main themes in my opinion and the first is the requirement of being a shepherd and then the second is the responsibility of being in relationship 
with the shepherd. So if we look at the first theme, the requirement of being a shepherd. Now you and I both know that there are requirements in all sorts of vocations and occupations and shepherding is not exempt. In the physical sense, I'm sure the training of a shepherd came by apprenticeship because it was something that was kind of passed down, you know, to generations. If the father did it, then he passed it down to the sons or maybe daughters. And then they kind of learned by um, watching and actually experiencing it, right? That's in the physical realm. But looking at this scripture as far as spiritual, what do you think Jesus is saying? And I'm going to reread verses 1 through 3. Truly, truly, I say to you, the one who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. But the one who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. Verse 3. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep listen to his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and leads them out. For me, this is conveying the um, death and resurrection of Christ. And I say this because verses um, one and two, well, one specifically talks about, you know, robbers and thieves that you have to enter by the door. There is a requirement and that is the door. the requirement must be met in order to be granted or given access to the other side and therefore title of shepherd. The one that enters the door is a shepherd to the sheep. And notice in the verse, there is that doorkeeper. Now, who is that? Who could it be? For me, I think it's a metaphor for sin. In order to go in and rescue the sheep, the shepherd must meet the requirement of going through the door, the requirement of death on the cross, to wash us of our sins, that when Jesus did that, gained him access to allow him to come and get us and for us to go out and get him. And remember the scripture that says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. And so I'm going to need you to stay with me um, today because tomorrow we're going to look at the same set of scriptures, but Jesus is going to paraphrase it and it's going to give us some more nuggets. So the doorkeeper in this verse that Jesus is talking about, I think is sin, not the devil, but sin that the, the, the thing that separated us when Adam and Eve disobeyed God, that barrier That's the door, and it's sin. And so paying the price, right, he he made him qualified for the door to be open and for him to go through, to come and get us, the sheep on the other side. Notice that verse 3 says, once he goes to the doorkeeper and the door is open, the sheep, the shepherd is now able to call his sheep out. And to me, that's the resurrection. <laughs> Jesus had to go through the penalty and of sin in order to be qualified to go to the doorkeeper and gain access to us in order to reconcile us back to the Father. I think we could also look at the door, as I stated before, it's that separation, right, that kept us from God. 
Sin walled us off from having access to our shepherd, from being called out, right? And so the requirement of the shepherd was Jesus paying the price for our sins. Now, just from a practical sense, the requirement of shepherding, you know, from the physical here, there were just things that they had to do, and we're going to see about it in other scriptures, but it wasn't an easy job. We think that it was easy, but there was far more involved than that. You had to be diligent, but that's for another episode. But Jesus met the requirement so that the doorkeeper would open. Now, Jesus has established himself as the shepherd, showing us that he has paid the price and he has full access to go in and out the door. He has now reconciled us. In this statement, Jesus is acknowledging that there is no other way for the door to be open unless the shepherd entered through that door. The requirement of taking on our sins and paying the penalty. So no one else can do that. It had to be Jesus. So that's what he's establishing himself as doing. Now, what happens next? Jesus has established himself as the shepherd. He enters the area where the flock is and he calls his sheep by name. Think about that. Even though the sheep were on the other side of the door, they couldn't see the shepherd. And perhaps they didn't even know that he was coming. Maybe they didn't even know that there were there was a shepherd. But he knew them by name. Can you hear the intimacy in that statement? Jesus knows your name. You aren't some random Josephine or Joe. You were chosen. He knows you. There's an intimacy there. And then listen. Once the sheep hear his voice, they respond by following him and he leads them out through the door. That's symbolic of salvation. You give your life to Christ and you are no longer the same. You are now a new creature as Paul coined. You are, you are out of that old closed in area and you're into the marvelous light, which is like, you know, green pastures. Jesus is leading you out. But I don't want you to miss something here. I don't want you to miss that the sheep have a choice to make because they can choose to follow the shepherd out or they could stay where they are. It says that the sheep know my voice. Could this be what Paul was talking about when he um, wrote his letters to the Romans, the, the, ch- the church in Rome, Romans 8, 29 through 30, I believe it is. And it says, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. And these whom he predestined, he also called. And these who he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. He knows us. He knows you. And he stands at the door and he's called your name. So what are you going to do, little sheep, little lamb? (laughs) 
the question is, do you know the voice of your shepherd? Today for us believers, you know, we hear the, the voice of the Holy Spirit that guides us each and every day. And I don't I don't want you to miss to to to, to I don't want you to mistake the fact that God does have a voice and he does speak to us. But we have to be able to hear him and respond to his voice, to follow him where he leads. In other words, to be obedient to what he's telling us to do. If I were to relate this to caregiving, it would be that it's important for you right now during this season to make sure that you are in tune with the voice of your Savior, the shepherd who went through the door to get you, who met the requirement of being able to go through the door to get you. You will be tried and tested during this season. And if you're not listening to the voice of your shepherd, you may be fooled by others in doing things or saying things that aren't in line with what God has for you. And and if we go back to the scripture, Jesus is real clear that his sheep know him so much that they're not going to follow anyone else. That's the type of intimate relationship that he wants you to have with him. But if you don't have that, then you may listen to someone else. During this season, you must put yourself on the back burner, which was a hard pill for me to swallow. And you need to put the needs of the person whom you're caring for first. But the beauty of that is when you do that, when I did that, then God becomes responsible for taking care of you as he did me. Remember, I'm I'm an only child. (laughs) I'm used to having things my way, doing things my own way, arranging things that'll benefit me. And it took me a while to, to grasp this concept. But like I said, once I did, God just took over and started taking care of all of my needs because he saw that I was doing what he had asked me to do, which was taking care of his daughter putting her needs first, walking in humility, right? And once I surrendered to him, he was really able to just take over not just my needs, but also the needs of my mom. And so as I close this episode, I would just stress to you, listen to his voice and follow him where he leads you. Let's pray. Dear Holy, Magnificent God, we thank you for this day, Monday. (sighs) We thank you for being with us. We thank you for being with us in the mundane and in the routineness of our lives. We thank you for being a God who cares about us so much that you know our names, that you crave an intimate relationship with us. I ask, Father, that you help us to reciprocate that desire in us toward you. Help us to crave your presence 
not necessarily your miracles or your blessing or your favor, which we know you are going to give because you are faithful to your word. But help us to come to you just because we want to be in your presence. Father, today we learned that, or we not learned, but it was just reinforced that there was a price that our Savior had to go through in order to save us and rescue us. He had to take on our debt, our sin, in order to fulfill the requirement to have the door open to rescue us. And today we say thank you. Thank you for the suffering that he endured on on behalf of each and every one of us. The humiliation, the physical pain, the psychological pain, the spiritual pain when he cried out, why had you forsaken him? We thank you because we know that without that, we wouldn't be able to stand before you right now. Thank you for loving us that much, for sending our Savior to us. Help us to lay our hearts bare to make space for your Holy Spirit to guide us. We want to hear your voice. And I ask, Father, right now that you speak to your children who are listening. If they've never experienced your sweet voice, let them experience it today. Help them to know that you are a very real God. And that not only do you speak to us through the scriptures, not only do you speak to us through other people, but that you actually whisper in our ear. That it's not our conscious conscience, but that it is you. And help each and every one of us learn to delight in you. As always, Father, I lift up the caregivers and I ask that you grant them sweet peace. I ask that you grant them protection. I ask that you grant them a listening ear, an extra hand to wash dishes maybe, someone to cook a meal for them, someone to come over and sit with their loved loved one while they go maybe get their hair done, (laughs) maybe get a manicure, pedicure, or maybe just go for a walk. Surround them with your love and help them to know each and every day that you are right there with them and that as long as they continue to put their trust in you, you will help them see the other side. Bless their loved ones. Grant them peace as well. This we pray in the name of Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. All right, my podcast family. That concludes this episode. Went a little long, I'm sorry. But you go and minister the act of caregiving in the name of Jesus. And we will see you tomorrow.